I think we're in a good spot. I think we're in a good spot. Um, went through a brutal part of our schedule, and we still, don't get me wrong, we still got you know some tough stretches, but I think that that was one of the toughest, if not the toughest, toughest for us. We've had, uh, we've had some slippage over the stretch, you know, on both sides of the ball. So it'd be good to have a little break, kind of realign you know, ourselves with everything. But it just happens like that when you don't have any court time, you can't practice, you got injuries. It's just, it just happens that way. Just won two games in a row, you know, in a tough stretch. So I feel good about us having a little time off. These guys need some rest, man. I have to play the heck out of these guys. At least the starters, for the most part, meant the amount of minutes that Ant and Jeremy has played, and even Nurk. I mean, it's—they need some rest, and then uh, we also need some gym time. So we'll be able to get both, and uh, you know, hopefully, just keep building. Hey, Rip City, it's GP2 here, and it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Holdon. Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to the briefcase, episode 11 of the briefcase. I'm your host, Casey Holdall. The Trailblazers have finally gotten through it. Their toughest stretch of the season, somewhat unscathed, still in a good position. We're going to talk about that, as Chauncey Billups just did. Talk about where the Blazers stand after getting through a difficult November. What's on the horizon? The return of Damian Lillard, Josh Hart's rebounding, Gary Payton, too, rejoining the team for practice and when he might make his debut, and some unfortunate injury news on this edition of the briefcase. As I just mentioned, and as you just heard head coach Chauncey Billups discuss, the Blazers have exited arguably their toughest stretch of the season with back-to-back wins versus the Jazz in Utah and the Pacers in Portland on Saturday and Sunday night. After spending nearly all the last two weeks and the majority of November on the road, the Trailblazers returned home for a four-game, 10-day homestand before once again heading out for another six-game road trip. And this is a reminder that the Blazers are the only team in the NBA with multiple six-game road trips, and most teams don't have any six-game road trips just go to show how much different it is playing basketball out here in the Northwest. Consider this. The Trailblazers have played 12 games on the road in the last five weeks compared to just six games at home. They've also played four back-to-backs over that stretch. They now enter a three-week stretch, which ends on New Year's Eve Eve, in which they play seven games on the road compared to four games at home, which is still quite a bit more road games than home games, obviously. But they play just 11 games over the next 26 days, which is a considerable reprieve from the schedule in November and in the first week of December. And now the Blazers have gotten through that part of their schedule. They're now wrapping up a stretch of three straight days off, something that seems to be happening more this season, actually, than in the past. So it's a good chance for everyone to take a beat, get healthy. As Chauncey Billups mentioned, a lot of guys on this team dealing with a lot of different small nicks and and knocks here and there that they could definitely use a few days of inactivity in order to rectify. So it's a good chance for everyone to take a beat, get healthy, and then the team can go about rededicating themselves to some practice time, particularly on the defensive end where they feel like they've had quite a bit of slippage, as we're going to talk about here in a moment. And not only does that give the team a chance to get healthy and, again, get some practice time, it gives those of us who follow the team a chance to kind of reset the deck a little bit, get back into our notebooks that have some of the things we maybe wanted to get into, but haven't had an opportunity to get into because there's been so many games, which is also something we'll talk about here in a moment. But before we get to that, let's catch up on where the Trailblazers stand after 24 games. Portland currently sits in a tie with the Dallas Mavericks for 7th in the Western Conference at 13 wins and 11 losses, which is three games behind the first place Phoenix Suns. Portland is 11th in offensive rating, which is four spots better than the last time we checked in, at 112.4 points scored per 100 possessions, which puts them in between the Cavs, who are in 10th, and the Nets, who are in 12th. However, bum, 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 
They're 24th in defensive rating, which is actually one spot worse than the last time we checked at 113.1 points allowed per 100 possessions, which is actually slightly better marked than last time we checked, even if the rankings are actually a little bit worse, with the Knicks in front of Portland in 23rd and the Jazz behind Portland in 25th. However, the good news is that the difference between their offensive rating and their defensive rating is their net rating, and at minus 0.7, their net rating ranks 17th, which is considerably better than the last time we checked in and they were in 25th. As for the betting markets, Portland is 15-9 and nine versus the spread this season after covering in both of their last two games. They were five-point underdogs versus the Jazz, and they ended up winning that game by five. And they were five-point favorites versus the Pacers, and they ended up winning that game by 16. And with 13 wins at this point in the season, the Blazers are 33% of the way to their season over of 39.5 wins this season. And that's with a little less than a third of the season elapsed. And considering the difficulty of Portland's schedule in that first third of the season— you still feel very comfortable about their chances of surpassing their over this season, which you probably already felt pretty good about anyways, but particularly with the way that they've played to start the season, I think you feel great about it. And as I just mentioned, the Blazers were buoyed at the end of this last stretch thanks to -to back-to-back victories versus the Jazz and the Pacers in a road and home back-to-back. In the 116-111 victory versus the Jazz, Anthony Simons posted a career-high 45 points, with 33 of those points coming in the first half. Jeremy Grant picked up the slack in the second half, finishing with 33 points and 5 assists in a game where both Damian Lillard and Josh Hart set out, and Drew Eubanks for that matter as well. Blazers were down to a skeleton crew in that one, able to get a win in a very tough environment versus a quality Jazz team. A very nice victory for this team on the road. After you get that victory versus the Jazz on the road, you kind of assume that you're playing with house money the next night versus the Pacers, but the Blazers didn't view it that way at all. In that game, with both Damian Lillard and Josh Hart making their returns to the lineup, Portland dispatched of a short-handed Pacers team 116-100 for a rare comfortable victory, though as Chauncey Billups mentioned, it wasn't an easy game by any stretch for Portland. Considering the way the game went before and how many minutes everyone had to play in the victory versus the Jazz, if Damian Lillard hadn't come back for that game versus the Pacers, it's pretty hard to envision a scenario in which the Trailblazers would have won that game. But they did, because Damian did come back. Dame ended up going 7-16 from the field, 5-10 from 3, and 2-2 from the line for 21 points to go with 6 assists, 4 rebounds, a steal, and a block in 32 minutes. Damian didn't show any lingering signs from the injury. Here's what he had to say after the game. Felt good. Um, You know, especially coming off last night, we got picked up a big win. And, um, you know, I just wanted to... Uh, encourage the team and, you know, bring that energy for us to, you know, get on a win streak and, and get things back. We're going back in the right direction. I felt, I felt normal and I felt good. Um, I think this time it was, like I said, you know, it wasn't, I guess, as bad as the first time. Um, I was more patient and, um, you know, I, I felt good. You know, I didn't feel limited at all. So there you go. Some quick comments from Damian from after the win versus the Pacers, his first game back after missing, I believe, over two weeks with that right soleus strain. Dame also mentioned after practice on Wednesday that he felt no lingering effects from that injury, so hopefully he's put that behind him. Also, Damian hosted a dinner at Junkin a few days ago to, uh, actually Adidas, I guess, technically hosted it to celebrate his inclusion on the NBA's top 75 of all time. Thank you so much, Damian, for the invite to that. We had a great time. Junkin, check it out. JR's place. And while I don't think the Blazers would have won that game versus the Pacers if Dame hadn't come back, and Josh Hart for that matter, obviously he did not do it on his own, not even close. Jeremy Grant had another great game with 28 points to go with five rebounds and three assists in 33 minutes. Anthony Simons posted 22 points, six assists in 36 minutes. Yusuf Nurkic had 19 points, six rebounds, four assists. And Josh Hart, as I remember, returned after a nasty rolled ankle, which he is nowhere close to 100% from still, to post a double-double of 11 points. 
10 rebounds to go with three assists and three steals in 33 minutes in the victory. Josh sat out both the Laker game and the Jazz game after basically folding his ankle on top of itself in the game versus the Clippers. He left that game, ended up coming back and finishing the game, which the Blazers would go on to lose. Didn't play the next night versus the Lakers and didn't play versus the Jazz. I was actually a bit surprised and ended up playing versus the Pacers. But with Dame coming back, with the Blazers having gotten that win, with having a few days off until the next game, I guarantee Josh decided that, hey, if I can walk, I'm going to get out there and play that game. Helped Portland secure the victory. Ended up a plus 27 in 33 minutes. Obviously very effective in that game. Speaking of heart, one of the things I'd like to do on this podcast a little bit more is to give you guys a bit of a preview of some of the stories I'm working on. And recently, I've been asking a lot of the players and coaches on the team about Josh Hart's rebounding. He's basically tied with Luka Doncic for the title of the NBA's best rebounding guard and is the best guard in the NBA when it comes to grabbing contested rebounds. So I wanted to ask Josh if he had any theories about why he's so much better at rebounding than most of his fellow guards. Is it just mentality? Is it some kind of special skill? Is it something he practices? You figure if it was just mentality that everyone could do it because there's obviously a lot of guys who are very aggressive and very determined. Maybe not to Josh Hart's level, but there are a lot of players in the NBA who try to crash the glass that just don't do it as well as Josh Hart. So I was curious if he had any theories about why that might be. So here's what Josh Hart had to say about his rebounding, playing baseball in high school, and how rebounding is kind of like driving on the freeway. Do you attribute how good you are rebounding to anything? Um, for me, it was always just wanting to win. And obviously, that's a big big part of, of winning is winning the, winning the battle on the glass and ending um, defensive possessions with, you know, with a rebound, with a stop. So there was that. And, you know, there was times where offensively I wasn't engaged or wasn't, what's called, in rhythm just because it was just kind of like, you know, just standing in the corner type thing. So it was really my way of you know, touching the ball, <laughs> really, uh, and just kind of getting involved and trying to get myself a rhythm. So that's kind of the, where it, it, it stemmed from and, you know, why I do that. Have you always been a great rebounder? Um, college, I rebounded the ball at, at a high level. Um, high school, I rebounded the ball at a high level. It was just, um, that's, you know, it's just part of my game. And, I, you know, I, I do a good job in terms of just tracking the ball and seeing where it's going to go, if it's going to be, you know, bounce off the front rim, just bounce off the back rim. So part of that is just, you know, being able to see the ball and see, you know, how it's shot and, and measure the trajectory of it and get to, you know, to where I think it's going to go. I mean, obviously the mentality is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if it was just a mentality thing, a lot of other guys in kind of similar positions you would mm-hmm. be able to do that. And it doesn't, that doesn't seem to be the case to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it is mentality. Part of it is just being able to track it. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I played baseball when I was a kid, so obviously I played in the outfield, and obviously that year, get tracking, where you know, seeing where the ball is going, and doing all those kind of things. So that's something I'm always, I'm always doing. I always try to like just, just think that way. Even when I'm like driving, I'm in traffic. I'm like, ah, right, if I go in this lane, my wife doesn't like it because I'll probably be speeding. I'm like, if I go this way, I can go this and this, this. you know what I mean. So you know, I'm always trying to like measure where I. You know where I can uh, go and where where the balls are to go and where I can fit and all those kind of things. I'm kind of the same way when I'm driving too. It's mm-hmm. like I can't be content. Yeah, if I can see yeah, a faster path. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's boring or not boring. I don't. I, I'm not saying sitting there saying you, I speed or sure, speed sure. or all that. But sometimes I'm just sitting there. I'm just thinking. I'm like, I get in the left lane. If I get in the left lane, I know this. You know how you know how fast the car and the right is going. I can get in front of him or. You know how slow this person's going. I got I got to go over two lanes and get around that person, and like you know, so it's just like stuff like that. Just 
that's 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 interesting to me. So, yeah, you know, that's just kind of what it, you know part of it is. Absolutely. What does it do for a team when you have a guy like yourself who not undersized, but you know, you're not you're not huge or anything, who's able to rebound your position? Like, what what do you feel like that does, particularly for this roster? Um, it, hopefully, it helps. Yeah, um, <laughs> it does. But, I can guarantee um, that. It gives us the ability, you know, for for example, like the starting lineup, we're able to put JG on uh, on point guards and have his length kind of disrupt them, and you don't got to worry about getting um, beat on the glass because you have, you know, you're starting four, you know, on the really going to be on the perimeter for most of the most of the game. So it's just that being able to play small or and not, you know, worry about getting killed on the offensive glass um, or or stuff like that and also helps getting out and getting a transition getting easy buckets stuff like that so like I said hopefully it helps uh, hopefully uh, the team likes it and, and the coaches staff happy with it but um, you know yeah hopefully it helps so there you go some interesting stuff from Josh Hart as always and I'll be posting that story about Josh Hart's rebounding sometime in the near future on trailblazers.com so be on the lookout for that one Moving on to even more injury news, Gary Payton II, who just had his jersey retired at Salt Lake Community College, by the way, went through practice, though how much practice depends on who you ask, Wednesday afternoon at the team's facility in Tualatin, the first time, as far as we know, that Gary has participated in practice since having that surgery, or at least a full practice. I was told he participated in some parts of practice. Dame said he participated in practice. I think it's basically semantics at this point, but long story short, Gary Payton, too, is getting close to making his debut as a Portland Trailblazer. Sounds more and more like that debut may come at any time in the near future. It could be as early as Thursday's game versus the Nuggets. The team has not yet released their injury report. They'll do that at 5 o'clock on Wednesday for that game. I'd be a little surprised if he ended up playing versus the Nuggets, but I do think there's a very good chance he plays at some point either in the two games coming up versus the Timberwolves or at the beginning of Portland's next road trip, which starts next week as I mentioned, versus the Texas teams. Days off in between a lot of those games, a chance for Gary to maybe get out there, see how he's feeling, and then for the team to assess how his recovery is after those games. Still a few things here and there to square away, but long story short, it sounds like Gary is very close to making his debut, something the Blazer fans have been pining for for months now. Great news. Very happy for Gary. Very happy for the team. Really looking forward to seeing what they can do with Gary out there, particularly on the defensive end. But while we've gotten a fair amount of good injury news lately between the return of Dame, Josh, and Gary II's imminent debut, the news hasn't been all good on the injury front, as the team announced last week that Nasir Little will be sidelined for at least six weeks with a mild femoral head impaction fracture, which he suffered in the loss to the Clippers on November 29th, with a timeline that puts Nas's return sometime in the middle of January. Every time it seems like Nas is making some real progress, he's averaging 47% shooting from the field and 37% shooting from three this year, which are both career highs. He ends up being felled by injury. Just an absolute supreme bummer for Nas, who has worked his butt off to carve out a spot in the NBA and on this team, has had a great mentality, has said all the right things, has done all the right things in practice, in games, to make himself a useful player, and injuries just keep slowing him down. It's incredibly unfortunate. It's very unfair. Nas deserves better. Get better soon, Nasir. Hope to see you back out there soon. But what a bummer for Nas, and what a bummer for the team. He's a guy who's really made a lot of progress, and you really hate to see guys who put in the work end up having such bad luck. Before we end this edition of The Briefcase, I wanted to look real quickly at Portland's upcoming schedule. Trailblazers host the Nuggets on Thursday, tip-off schedule for 7 p.m. on Root Sports Plus at 6.20 a.m., before hosting two games versus the Minnesota Timberwolves on Saturday and Monday. After that, Portland returns to the road for six straight games versus all three Texas teams, 
the Oklahoma City Thunder twice before heading on to Denver to face the Nuggets once again on Christmas Eve Eve. Portland returns home for the holiday, and then they only play twice over the next eight days leading into 2023. So a chance for Portland to win some games, get some rest, and make up for some of the lost time that they've missed while they've been away all this time in November. And that is going to do it for this edition of The Briefcase. We'll be back later on this week to maybe talk about Gary Payton's debut, who's to say, and probably a few other things as well that are sure to pop up over the next couple days as the Blazers begin this stretch of having some time off in between games. So thank you for joining me on this edition of The Briefcase. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you later this week. Take care.